Hello, everybody. Jace here. Just wanted to remind you, as San Diego Comic-Con is imminent, that my friends over at Rocket Ship Entertainment, the industry leader in publishing hit web comics, and the 2021 Ringo Award winner for Favorite Publisher, is going to make their first ever appearance at San Diego Comic-Con this year for 2022. Uh, their booth is number 2707. It's on the main show floor. Fans can pick up graphic novels, games, merchandise, including two exclusives, from the Eisner-nominated smash hit Let's Play, the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Let's Play coloring book, and the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Starbucks Bowser t-shirt. And if you're a fan of Let's Play, you'll know exactly who Bowser is. He's the cutest little puppy in the world. Uh, the creator of Let's Play will be there, Leanne Krasik, as well as Nick Selleck from Lars the Awkward Yeti. They're going to be doing signings throughout the weekend, as well as other creators that have a rocket ship entertainment properties, such as Ryan Benjamin, Tom Zaller, Riley Brown, Sanford Green, Danny Shinya, Tom Akel, Sherard Jackson, Rob Feldman, and Kevin Scott, who's going to have a secret project announced during the legendary comics panel. So the signing schedule will be posted at the rocket ship booth. So be sure you swing by so you know when your favorite creators are going to be signing. There's going to be free prints as avail available as well. Also, Nick Selleck is going to be doing some free sketches from his property, Lars the Awkward Yeti and Heart and Brain. Ryan Benjamin is going to be doing some live sketching of characters from the upcoming Stan Lee's Genesis tabletop game. And there's also going to be portfolio reviews. So if you're a new or aspiring artist, you'd like to have your work critiqued on Thursday, the 21st from 1 to 2. Tom Akel and Ryan Benjamin will be reviewing portfolios. And then on Saturday, the 23rd from 1 to 2, Leanne Krasik will be reviewing portfolios. So sign up and get your work looked at by some very talented professionals. In addition to the booth, there are also going to be some panels. So we've got Taking Off with Rocket Ship Entertainment on Saturday, July 23rd from 6 to 7 in room 23ABC. Tom Akel, the CEO of Rocket Ship, is going to participate in the Kickstarting Comics in 2022 and beyond. That panel is Thursday, July 21st, 3 to 4 p.m. in room 9. And then finally, Ryan Benjamin is going to be talking about his boot camp art uh, program that he has going on. So the Comic Pro Boot Camp Art Demo is going to be Saturday, July 23rd from 1230 to 2 p.m. in room 2. So if you're interested at all, swing by the booth. Like I said, tons of giveaways, tons of great properties, and tons of great creators from Rocket Ship Entertainment. everybody welcome to another episode of the comic source i'm your host jace bit of a preview for san diego comic-con super busy at the show as are the two gentlemen uh, who are joining me today so uh we're giving you a sneak peek we're not going to have time to do this at the show so we're going to talk about this amazing project the grave of saint Orin, uh today so first i'm going to throw it over to the uh, director jim bott and he's going to uh, give you a little bit of his background then we'll hear from josh the animator and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, the project 
very heavily involved uh, is uh, a comic favorite of many people, uh, Neil Gaiman. So uh, we'll start with you, Jim. Uh, give us a, a quick intro into what you do and how you're involved in the project. Hi, uh, thanks for having us on the show, Jace. Um, I'm Jim Bat. I'm the director of uh, The Grave of St. Oren, as you said. Um, yeah, I'm a filmmaker. I'm, I mix do a mix of live action and stop motion animation uh, projects. And so I put this together a, quite a while ago now. I think this project started maybe seven years ago for me when I first wow. uh, approached Neil and to ask him if he was interested in me adapting this poem. Um, so yeah, and then brought Josh on for the production. Uh, I think we shot probably three years ago at this point. So it's been, it's been a long road, but uh, stop motion is not known for being a speedy process. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Josh, <laughs> give us a little bit of your uh, history. Yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Josh Mahan. I'm a stop motion animator and art director. Um, we, yeah, we met, I guess it was three or four years ago at this point. Um, and I'd been animating in New York for a few years by then. Um, yeah. I think I just met Jim through a friend, another animator and it just worked out. So now as this, he said, uh, Jim mentioned about seven years, uh, but three or four years that you, that you met him is three or four years about the typical timeline for, uh, for stop motion for a project that you do. Uh, it depends on the length really. I mean, for a short, he, Jim isn't talking about it taking that long to actually shoot the, Animation. Yeah, I think we shot the actual shoot was like nine months, I think. Um, so Josh That's and I were locked in a dark room for nine months, putting this thing together. Um, and then it was, yeah, it was a few years of pre-production of just because we did a, we funded it through a Kickstarter. Um, so there was the whole like lead up to that and the pre-production of the project itself uh, took a little while. And then when we wrapped, it was kind of interesting timing. We did probably I think like a year of post-production because I did all the post myself. So that was all happening kind of in my spare time at that point. Um, and then we had time to do the start of a festival circuit. So we did like six months of screenings, which was great. We got to, you know, go to some festivals and do some really good premieres. And then the pandemic hit and everything since then has been a little different. So it's been, right. a, it's been a strange festival circuit at this point for the film. Um, and I think, we went to the Brooklyn Film Festival uh, a month ago, and that was the first screening I'd been to in like two years at this point. Wow. <laughs> so we're looking forward to being able to screen it in front of fans and followers again uh, at Comic-Con. So this will be kind of the biggest screening we've had in a very long time. Wow, which cool. Is exciting. Well, without getting spoilery, because obviously we want people to experience it for themselves once they have uh, the chance. Uh, talk to us, Jim, a little bit about the, the story. I mean, this is the thing about this poem that Neil wrote, right? Like it's based on like true lore and legend, or at least as true as something told, uh, you know, from the sixth century can, can be. You know, obviously <laughs> history changes over time and go back that far. It might, all, you know, the recollections might not be accurate, but give us a little synopsis of, of what the the legend is as well as uh, the, the story in the short. Yeah. As you say, um, it's based on, real things like the, the the locations of from the film you can actually go to the island of Iona and uh some of these locations are actually there uh the legend is about two saints who go to this island of Iona which is off the Scottish coastline uh and they decide to build a chapel but things don't really go as smoothly as they would like and the ritual murder of one saint by the other leads to a sequence of events that kind of brings into question everything they believe in so they're kind of 
the core theme of the story and, and what kind of interested me about this, this particular myth is that it's kind of getting perspective on the world and your beliefs. And so there's kind of a lot of that kind of thing of like maybe changing your viewpoint and believing that you don't necessarily know as much as you thought you did uh, without giving too much away about what happens in the, what is only a 10 minute film. <laughs> <laughs> But I think one of the really interesting things about it is that, as you say, it's kind of this weaves in back and forth between telling a historical story and telling a mythological tale. And that's what Neil's poem is very much about. And it's like, that was one of the interesting challenges of bringing it to the screen is kind of that dance back and forth between like in parts of the film, we show a very uh, kind of exaggerated mythological landscape with, you know, this very uh, deep time, you know, and we go back and we kind of look at like, what, what is this, evoke for us when we hear this story and then there's other parts of the story where it's much more reference-based and we were like oh we actually did research of like what is the island like these days and what is the actual place like and so kind of that twinning of these two different realities and trying to reflect the, the fact that you don't really know what the, the real events were and all we know is that something definitely happened uh, Iona has also been like a holy site for lots of different cultures at different points so it's definitely a, a place with a lot of layers of history on it. And so we tried to reflect that in the interpretation of the story. Yeah. And one of the things that was fascinating to me with this mix of, of, you know, history and myth, there's also an, a kind of a, another sort of polarity that's going on there. Uh, when I read about both the project as well as the sort of the history of the, the Island is this idea of, you know, this happened there and here's this legend and when you talk about what may have happened, this idea of uh, something fantastical, supernatural, which can be very dark when you talk about it, but also, you know, if, if this happened the way it happened, this idea of, you know, sainthood and uh, self-sacrifice and, you know, it's, it's very much hopeful in that way. So it's this real mix of light and dark. So I wanted to ask you, Josh, when we're talking about a project like this, where you're balancing two things like that, whether it's history and legend or this idea of, of supernatural with, with, you know, versus good versus hope versus something optimistic. Is that a real challenge to kind of capture that visually? Um, I mean, sure. But that's kind of what makes projects like this one really fun is having to dig in a little bit more and kind of like figure out the, the way you want to do it. Cause you know, there's so many different ways you can approach animating something. And I think me and Jim really talked a lot about, kind of like a really slow, realistic kind of a vibe. So like getting the nuance of subtlety in the paper style we're using was a little tricky, but it was really important not having like any kind of like cartoonish qualities or your classic like bounciness or anything like that. So um, yeah, but it's really fun to dig in there and try to you know, capture everyone's perspective as you're going through what's happening and you're not really sure. The poem isn't exactly like crystal clear as to what mm -hmm. the message is. So there's a lot of like nuance you can throw around inside of it. So yeah, it's really fun. Now cho choosing to do the the paper at, uh, stop motion as, as the medium, was that something you knew early on before you dug in or, or was it, Hey, let's talk about how this could work in a stop animation style um, and, and what would be the best medium? Or did you have, did you guys have in mind right away that it, it was going to be paper stop motion? 
Yeah, I'd worked, uh, my previous animation had been paper cutouts as well, um, a slightly different technique, but um, I'd worked with paper before. And so I kind of, and and one of the things that's nice about working with paper is the opportunity to team up with illustrators. And so pretty early on, I was keen to use that technique and try and advance the tricks, you know, that I'd learned on the, the previous film. Um, and Alan Barkin, who's the amazing watercolor illustrator who we worked with on this, who did all of the drawings, um, she was, I think, the first person that I got on board the team. And that was like a huge win because she's extremely talented. She's a Swedish artist who happened to be in New York at the time. So I managed to, we, you know, met up for a little bit. But for most of the project, she was working remotely, um, which is less of a novelty these days. But uh, at the time was certainly a little bit of a challenge. Um, but yeah, so she would send us, basically, she would take my storyboards and then do watercolor illustrations of those. And then we would break them down in Photoshop and split them out into all of these paper layers because how this particular style of paper cutout animation works is we've got a giant rig that's like nine feet tall and five feet wide that is layers of glass. So we have like, I think five or six layers of glass and the camera's mounted overhead shooting down. So it kind of gives you like a, a real life Photoshop layers effectively. Um, so we can animate on each layer individually. And then from the point of view of the camera, it's all composited together into like one big scene with kind of forced perspective. And so, yeah, a lot of the, the paper tricks and things we wanted to do with the paper were like bringing, bringing things to life in that environment. And it allows you to do a lot of very, like Josh was saying, like being very atmospheric was important for this project. So it allowed us to do a lot of atmospheric lighting and kind of visual effects and things in there. And because stop motion animation is already, you know, isn't hard enough already, we decided that we would do a lot of in-camera effects. So we kind of researched and practiced a lot of uh, old sort of like stage magic tricks and things like that to do real-time compositing. So it would have like little pieces of glass in there reflecting other bits of animation so that all of our ghosts and firelight effects and things are all sort of in-camera effects, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, see, that that's another thing that has me so excited to, to, to see this. Uh, because it's not just the amazing story and Neil's involvement, but yeah, the, the kind of the, the, just the technique, the craft of making it, because I wanted to ask you, Josh, like when we talk about stop motion animation, I mean, this is one of sort of the most early ways uh, that animation was, was made. And, you know, like you said, uh, removing that cartoony aspect, uh, you know, cause you, you don't want to evoke that idea of this is um, juvenile or, or, you know, fun. You really want to be able to have that, that mood. Um, but at the same time, uh, technology has come so far in filmmaking, whether it's animation or live action or what have you. Uh, so much like the film itself, where there's these two different poles, uh, you, sort of what you do, there's two different sides of it. Now you can go all totally old school. You can go totally new school with, uh, you know, technology and, and whatnot. Um, do you enjoy that? Is that something that's made things easier? Has it made it harder? Like talk to us a little bit about the craft of stop motion animation itself. Yeah. So as Jim was saying, like, you know, the multi-plane glass paper style looks really beautiful and evokes a lot of what we wanted, but there's, you know, <laughs> it's kind of, <laughs> there's physical things about it that are super annoying, like reaching your arm in between glass that's only six inches apart and trying to gently manipulate some paper things that are lying on top of each other uh, can be annoying <laughs> to say the least but also like it just has something to it that's like these real things are moving so it feels like i don't know it like triggers something in your mind a little differently um which i love and that's why my main focus is stop motion work but you know marrying tradition and 
modern stuff happened, like Jim was saying, you know, to create our fire in camera, we used like this old stage effect called the Pepper's Ghost technique, which is like, you know, glass at a 45 degree angle to project an image. So it's semi-transparent in the frame. Wow, cool. But we used an iPad hooked up to the laptop. We were capturing all the footage on to like rotate through the stills of the fire to project onto the glass. So like, you know, there's both ends of it happening just in that one effect there. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we try to, <laughs> and try to get it, the best of both worlds if you can. <laughs> yeah, we, it it definitely makes things easier in some respects, even though we're doing things super in like, a way in I, a method that was developed alongside m- motion pictures. You know, yeah, I think in a way too, it fat. allows you allows you to push those those old school techniques a bit further because you don't have to be as conservative because you can kind of clean things up a little bit in post or you know that you can you know i think one of the main things i think about a lot with stop motion animation is that in you know the last 10 years or i'm not 100 percent sure what the time frame is but in recent times stop motion animation you can now preview what you're animating so you can watch on a computer screen what you've done so far and you can kind of you know you see you can you can see what you're doing if you look back at harryhausen like those old school animators would shoot for like a whole scene, send it off and wouldn't get to see what they'd done for until a week later when the, the film was developed. And I just think like that's trying to do this with a blindfold on. It's like, it's the, the talent that they had to do all of that is insane. And I think what I really like about the fact that we now have these digital frame captures is that it's so much easier for people to get into it. Like I've done some classes with kids where we just have an iPad and they can start learning animation just by playing around with some, you know, toys out of the toy box. Um, yeah, I mean, the technique itself, again, just fascinating. And, you know, as a kind of a kid that grew up in the, the 80s, I think probably the stop motion animation I was most familiar with growing up was were like those uh, those Christmas specials, you know, like Rudolph and, you know, that kind of stuff, which which is, you know, fascinating. And uh, in a way, when you're a kid, you're, you're always uh, creating stories like that, you know, because you have your action figures or you have your dolls and, you know. Right, That's exactly. basically what we're, we're talking about here uh, in this yeah. case, kind of paper dolls. Uh, let's kind of change gears here. I, I did want to talk about Neil's involvement. You mentioned Jim talking to him a long time ago about, you know, bringing this to life. Um, and obviously uh, this is from his source material, the, you know, the poem, but then you also got him to, to narrate it. Did he, did he, or you, or was he always involved? Were you always, he, was he always going to be the narrator right from the beginning? Um, and what's uh, what did he think of the final uh, product when he saw it yeah so it's been a while in the works i first heard the poem when he did a reading of it um and at the time i think it was actually unpublished um so i had heard him do a reading of it and i'm lucky enough that we have some mutual friends so i was kind of an acquaintance of his so i when i was looking for a new project the poem had kind of got stuck in my head at that point so i reached out and asked if he'd be interested in me doing an adaptation, I felt a little bit like, well, it's not published yet. It's a very small poem. It's probably not, you know, getting snapped up by anyone else at this point. <laughs> um, and I was lucky enough that he'd seen some of my other work. And so he kind of knew that I had the skills to be able to at least take a crack at it. And so he's been very supportive all the way along. Um, he was very supportive with the Kickstarter and his fans are like a great community. So that was what allowed us to get the funds to be able to take a crack at a project of this scale. Um, and yeah, for me, like I've, I, like I said, like I first heard this poem with him reading it 
And so I've always had his voice in my head, but we weren't quite sure until the end. Like we were like, well, let's see if he, he's been very supportive of the project and he's very generous with letting us use this poem. But, you know, he's going to have to see the finished result first before we'll see whether he's interested. Um, but yeah, he was basically insistent. He was like, there's no way this is not going to be me reading it. It's like, so oh, he fantastic. carved out time in his schedule. And yeah, so yeah. And he's been, you know, very encouraging all the way along and it seems really happy with the result, which is great. Cool. Uh, so you mentioned that uh, a few people have seen you shown it at a few festivals, uh, you know, obviously <laughs> before the world changed and we had this pandemic, <laughs> you guys were starting to roll it out. Um, and you, uh, Jim, you mentioned this is sort of the biggest uh, screening uh, at Comic-Con this week um, that it's had in, in a really long time. So uh, this is a project, Josh, that you guys did a, a while ago. Any trepidation? I mean, a few people have seen it. Uh, what, what was, what's been the reaction so far for those that have seen it and any, any nervousness of putting this out in the world? No, not at all. Honestly, the, you know, it's been hard to get any real feedback because all the screenings we have had have been almost all digital online, like festivals gotcha. moved online. So just being able to be in a room with other people and actually see what their reaction is, like will be, uh, quite welcome i mean even if they hate it honestly <laughs> so just you know getting an audience reaction and seeing it is like yeah something i've been missing for a couple of years now well i mean here's the thing i mean what what you do josh is such a an art form and i i'm always a big proponent of of the arts whether it's music or film or comics or you know whatever and for me the purpose of art is to evoke a reaction uh, evoke emotion so whether it's a positive or negative you know at least there's that connection in a way that it, it connects us right it's a everybody in that room is going to have a shared experience so yeah whether they like it whether they don't you're making them think you're making them feel and, and at the end of the day that's what it's all about uh, i mean right? hopefully they like it <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. yeah well yeah and i would expect anybody who <laughs> takes the time to go will probably be there uh to see it so uh what about you jim are you excited to see people's reaction yeah i think this will be a very different audience too it's like I've watched it in front of a few audiences now at different festivals. So I'm not feeling like the first few times I was definitely like, we were waiting for it to come up in like a, you know, a group screening. Like you're not sure when it's going to happen. And you're like, is the mix on the sound going to be good? Like I've watched it enough times now that I'm like, that nervousness is gone, but I'm very excited about this uh, particular screening because it feels like this is screening to the audience of people who we were originally supported by. Like these are the kind of people who were backing the Kickstarter. These are the kind of people who, know who Neil is, know what the poem was. Like it's always, we were very surprised when we first started talking about the film that there were people who come out and be like, oh, this is my favorite poem. Or like, I come from my owner. Like, I'm so glad you're making a story about this place. And it's like, it, I wasn't expecting the, film, the poem to have touched that many people, I think, at the time. And so I think screening at Comic-Con feels like it's definitely screening to that audience, which will be a bit of a different experience. And so yeah. I'm excited for that. Neil is definitely beloved at, at Comic-Con for his past comic work. Most people know, obviously, Sandman, uh, his sem seminal work. Yeah. So, yeah, I, people are going to be really excited for this. So uh, thanks for the, the time, gentlemen. It's been uh, really fun chatting about this. Uh, I'm, I'm very uh, excited to see it myself. Uh, we'll let all listeners know if you're going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. The panel is on Saturday in room 28DE from uh, seven to eight o'clock. So plenty of time to both uh, view the short film as, re uh, as well as questions. Uh, you guys are going to both be there on the panel as well as Kat Mijos, I believe is how uh, you say the last name. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and David Mack, who's another name 
that um, that comic fans will know uh, as well for his outstanding work, uh, creator of Kabuki and, and done tons of work uh, with Brian Michael Bendis and Scott Snyder and for DC and whatnot. Uh, I, I am curious, what what did uh, David, what was David's involvement in, in the project? Uh, so I think that, that this panel that Kat put together is actually a collection of different people who've all done adaptations of Neil's work. So I think the oh, running gotcha. theme of the panel is going to be like, what's the process of working with Neil's work and adapting that to different media, which I'm actually pretty, I, I think that's a, a good subject for a panel because it is definitely a lot to talk about on that subject of like, because people have done this in lots of different forms now, whether they've taken his short stories or his poems and made them into comic books or films. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting conversation, I think. And it'll be good to have Kat there as well because she's actually the VP of Blank Corporation, which is Neil's production company. So she kind of has an eye across all of these film productions that are happening out there. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be a pretty interesting bunch of conversations. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Well, uh, have fun at the show, gentlemen. Uh, it's a big one. I'm sure you're as busy as I am. As we mentioned, we're doing this ahead of time, everybody. But that does give you the opportunity, if you are going to Comic-Con, to plan on uh, attending the panel, checking out the short. Uh, so, again, best of luck with, uh, with the project. Once uh, this screening is done, do you, do you guys know, uh, is it gonna, are you going to start the festival circuit again? Like, what's the, the we've future got a, for, uh, for the project? We've got a couple more festivals coming up. We're kind of reaching the end of the festival run at this point. We've got one uh, in Boyne Valley in Ireland, I think, in August is the next one. Um, and then we're kind of heading towards an online release. So that's the current sort of planning phase on that, which is working out exactly when we want to put it out there. And um, that'll be exciting. I think it'll be really nice for it to find a good home online and be able to just like share it with everyone at that point. Yeah, that was going to be my next question because I know there's people that can't necessarily travel or yeah. you know, just don't have the means or whatnot and, and are huge Neil Gaiman fans. So I'm sure they want to be able to see it as well. Uh, so let me ask you this, Jim. I'm sure once it... Uh, is released online um if you can make that happen uh i'm sure you'll be talking about it on your social media so uh, i imagine we should let people know where they can follow you as well as josh online um so that when it does get a release that they can know about it so where's the best place are you active on social media at all yeah yeah uh instagram is probably the main thing so i'm uh at jim bat b-a-double-t on instagram and twitter as well bat signal b-a-double-t uh signal on Twitter and also the film itself has a website. So if you go to the grave of St. Aaron.com, uh, everything's on there. Great. And what about you, Josh? Yeah, I think Instagram is probably the primary place for me too. Um, and it's Josh Mahan. So uh, same handle on Twitter as well. If you want to follow me there, although I never check it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, I'll put a, a link in the show notes, everybody for both Jim and Josh's, uh, social media, as well as a link to the website for uh, the short as well. So if you're having trouble finding them, you can go and click there. Uh, again, gentlemen, thanks so much for your time. It's been a, a real pleasure. And uh, again, enjoy the show. Best of luck with uh, the release of the project as it gets out into the wider world. Yeah, thank you thank so much. You. And thanks for having us on. Yeah, yeah. my pleasure. Uh, and to you listeners, uh, thanks for joining us as well. We really appreciate your support. Couldn't do it without you. So that's going to do it for this one. And we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. 
If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.